0: If you enjoy this show, you will enjoy the new novel Alice Isn't Dead, a standalone, complete reimagining of this story. It's out now. Find it wherever you encounter books or at aliceisn'tdead.com.
1: Did I know from the first time I saw you, Alice? It feels like I did. But I think our memories of these things get clouded. And maybe I didn't think anything, but hey, she's cute. That memory is so heavy with our love. It's almost impossible for me to lift it up and inspect it for what it is. Here's what I do remember. You were not my first, but you were close. I dated Mindy Morris in high school. Mindy and I were friends, and then we knew we were more than friends, and we didn't know what to do about that, and then we did know. I wanted to keep it a secret, she didn't. We kept it a secret. I think a lot of people knew, anyway. I thought my parents for sure had no idea. Eventually, I learned that they knew, and were mostly okay with it. Later, they would be completely fine with it. In between, there was an adjustment. Not everything can be all right all at once. Then I was in college, and me and Mindy still were together, but we hardly ever saw each other. And then we weren't together, but we would still hang out on breaks when we were both back home. And then not even that. And I thought, this is good. This is good. It's time to be single for a while. Learn more about myself. I'll stay single for at least a few years and then see what happens. And three days later, I ended up in a study group with a student named Alice. And maybe I thought nothing much except that you were interesting and funny and I liked the way you ran your hands through your hair when you were talking about something complicated. But now, in my memory... I remember thinking about my plan to stay single and looking at you and then thinking well shit
2: Keisha focus in here you're in a bad position the wandering attention isn't going to help you.
1: Where? What's happening?
2: You're in a location only my co-workers know about. We won't be bothered. We're gonna have a little talk. Why not just kill me? (laughs) I'll see now this is why i wanted to talk first because that's the question you've been asking yourself why am i alive and it would mm, not be satisfying if you died without understanding really understanding the answer to that question
0: Alice Isn't Dead by Joseph Fink Performed by Jessica Nicole and Roberta Calindras, Produced by Disparition Part 2, Chapter 10 Why Am I Alive? You work for Thistle?
2: Work for sounds so servile. I mean, you could say I work with them partnership of a kind. I mean, believe me, I get a lot out of it. Job satisfaction is high. You're all monsters. Melodramatic.
1: No, I I mean you're actually monsters. You're not human. You're something. I don't know what. You're predators. Mm,
2: Well, that is close to the truth, I suppose, but very judgy. Just because we're not human, we're monsters. Humans can be pretty monstrous.
1: <laughs> Say if you're equivocating for someone you don't have handcuffed in an interrogation room.
2: Fair. We love the taste of blood because it tastes like freedom. You people, you restrict yourself so much. We have no restrictions. Why would I ever hold back because it might harm someone else? Am I them? So, so the goal is, is what? Just to kill people? Well, that's the question, isn't it? You understand that we're at war, but you don't understand what the war is about.
1: I understand wanting to stop you. I understand Bay and Creek wanting to end your rampage. Evil demands resistance.
2: Exactly. Their motivation is clear. But what about ours? What do we want, Keisha, and why would anyone but those who have tasted blood help us? The government is protecting our bloodshed. Why? I don't know. That's because you're not asking the most basic question there is. The only one that actually matters. What do you want? No! Not that question! Who knows what we want? We're a blank force of terror. We're groping hands in the dark, pulling you into the shadows. We're snatchers. Who cares what we want? I don't know then. Yes, you do. <laughs> Think about it. I want you to come to this on your own. I want to badly hurt you before I start inflicting the physical pain. The,
1: the 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 government is working with you.
2: Yes. And so the question is, huh? Exactly. It's the same question every person should always ask. Who benefits from this? Who benefits from this, Keisha? Uh,
1: The government?
2: Yes! And why? I I, I don't know.
1: I don't know what they get out of sponsoring serial killers.
2: You were so close. Maybe you weren't that close. It's always possible that you just aren't smart enough to figure this out. Is that it? staying quiet. Maybe you are smart after all. It won't save you either way. There is no exiting this room. These drab walls will be the last things you see. Let's talk about something else. Let's let's get back to the question you've been asking a lot lately.
1: Why am I still alive? It's a great question.
2: Maybe the only good question you've asked on your entire journey. And it is also a question that answers itself. You're still alive because you asked why you're still alive, and I want to tell you. But let's start with the answer you arrived at. Bay and Creek wants me alive. Okay. And why is that?
1: I don't know. I... I'm important somehow,
2: or not important. I have a role. You're important. You have a role. What is that role?
1: I don't know. I've been trying to figure it out, but I I don't know enough about the war to understand what I might do in it. It's
2: never wrong to say you don't know. Better to admit you don't know than to pretend you do. Okay, I don't know. I love the conclusions you come to. I find them fascinating because you play it humble, don't you? A little anxious, you. How's that anxiety? You feeling afraid? A dark closet makes me afraid. The wind.
1: Don't feel proud because you've joined their ranks. I'm used to fear.
2: Exactly. I think that even your anxiety is a kind of sublimated pride because ultimately you like to think of yourself as important. I
1: don't think of myself as anything. I just want to be at
2: home with Alice. Alice didn't want that, did she? I don't know what she wanted, what she wants. You say you're only reaching the natural conclusion of everything that's happened to you. All of these strange towns you've passed through, the thistle man in your home, Bain Creek rescuing you in Victorville. A vast underground base no one is supposed to know about. All of that. And you are still here. Still breathing. And so, you must be important. I didn't say important. I have a role to play. Allow me to present an alternative conclusion based on the same evidence. The reason you're still alive is just because you're not dead yet. And everyone knows it. You are not important, Keisha. You don't have a role. There is no riddle to the beating of your heart, no conspiracy to the air in your lungs. You're merely a dead woman who hasn't died yet, and I'm the one who everyone knew was coming to do it, so no one else needed to. You've never been anything, Keisha, and soon you won't be at all.
1: I was set on the idea of staying single, even as we started to date. I didn't allow myself to understand what we were doing as dating. We were friends who sometimes had sex. We went on dates, but weren't dating. Being with you felt better than anything, but there could always be something better. Don't accept what you have, reach for what you could theoretically someday have. I was honest with you. I'm not a good person to like, I would say. I don't want to get in a long-term relationship right now. Sure, you would say. Sounds fine, you would say. Hey, let's drive to the beach. And we did drive to the beach. And it was cold and kind of miserable, but we took a walk anyway. At a certain point, somewhere between a pile of rotting seaweed and an inlet where water poured from a metal pipe, You took my hand and spun me around and then back toward you so that we were facing. And you kissed me for a long time. (laughs) I was completely yours at that point. Maybe you knew it, even as I refused to admit it to myself. It was you that said I love you first. Mm. We were talking on the phone and you were getting to class and you needed to hang up. Okay, I love you, bye, you said. Then you texted me. I think I just said I love you. I do. I did too. This all happened, Alice. I hold on to that. All of this happened. No matter what happens next. The reason Bay and Creek didn't kill me, yes, is because they already knew that you were coming to do it.
2: Go on.
1: And so they didn't have to.
2: Mmm. Almost, but your mind can't grasp it. Let me provide a visual aid.
1: <gasps> oh my God.
2: Yeah, it's an impressive place, right? We're in the base? Talk it out if you need to.
1: The underground base. You You work for Bay and Creek. Bay and Creek did decide to kill me. They sent you to do it.
2: Now you've got it. You made so many assumptions about how Bay and Creek felt about you. I don't like people making assumptions. I needed to disabuse you of them before you died.
1: So both Thistle and Bay and Creek want me dead?
2: Something like that. Yeah, it's not a great position to be in. I wouldn't want to switch with you. Of course, if I did, I would be able to get away easily. I'd still kill you on the way out, too. Basically, nothing would change. You die in all possible versions of this moment.
1: So you aren't with Thistle. You're, you're playing both sides of this war.
2: Now fascinating thing about war, while having two sides is convenient, it turns out it's not absolutely necessary. Thistle and Bay and Creek... We're working together. You haven't even understood the basic shape of the conflict. Thistle and Bay and Creek can't work together because there is no Thistle and no Bay and Creek. There is only one side to this war. Where did you think the funding for a base like this comes from?
1: Who can match the spending of the U.S.
2: government? Right. The answer to that is the same government. Bay and Creek and Thistle are actors in a show. War is a very useful thing, Keisha. It allows for a lot of messiness, a lot of freedom, and we are a country that enjoys messiness and freedom.
1: Thistle and Bay and Creek pretend a secret conflict.
2: Forever and ever. We act out our parts. We consume. Never forget the most important question. Who benefits from this? Bingo! A lot of good work you can hide in the carnage of a war. Provides cover for all sorts of things and Alice. Did the love of your life know? How ultimate is this betrayal? Oh, Keisha. I wish I could rub it in, but I like to be honest about my work, and I just don't know. Many people involved in Bane Creek genuinely think they are stopping terrible monsters that lurk on the back ways of this country. Otherwise, it would be a pretty hard secret to keep probably she thought she was actually saving the world but Keisha I want you to understand that I'm being perfectly honest because I really want you to feel the full brunt of the pain from this she could well have known a lot of people also do Otherwise, it would be a pretty hard charade to maintain. I know, Alice. I would say, again, if we're being honest with ourselves, that maybe you don't know much of anything. At all.
1: And what about Praxis, huh? How do they fit into your war?
2: What do you know about Praxis?
1: I don't know if it's something that can be known.
2: It's the smartest thing you've said all day. Probably the smartest thing you've ever said in your waning life. Don't worry about Praxis. I have so many other things for you to worry about instead. I'm getting tired of talking. I got what I wanted. I saw you learn the truth, and it wasn't even as good as I wanted it to be, so... I've got places to be, okay? Here we go.
1: Years later, you and I lived in a tiny apartment in the Bay Area. The apartment was basically a kitchen. We had a bed barely big enough for the two of us. It was the only furniture we had, and so we spent all day in it. We slept, ate, talked, all on the cheapest mattress a small amount of money could buy. When we finally got rid of the mattress, the guy who collected it said it had sagged more than any mattress he had ever seen. There was a room with a toilet on one side of the kitchen, and a room with a sink and a shower on the complete other side of the kitchen. Moving in together was not easy. There were fights, discomfort. Two people with two lives figuring out how to shrink those lives to fit a tiny bed in the corner of a kitchen. But slowly we realized that it wasn't a constriction, but a rearrangement of terms. There was infinite space in that tiny apartment if we reoriented ourselves to find it. Soon we settled into this new way of living, and the two of us became a unit. It was the first step to having a life together. But the realization that this life could be indefinite, could have the same length as the lives of our physical bodies, that didn't come until the death of my father. We were staying in my mother's house, on a guest bed that was bigger than the one in our apartment. I was still in shock, and my head didn't feel quite attached to my body. We laid facing each other during the day. I don't remember the context. Were we taking a nap? I just remember the sunlight on your face. Then I said, I could spend my life with you. And you said that would be nice. We wouldn't get married for another few years. But that was the moment that the possibility of forever laid itself out for us. At least that's what I thought. I never foresaw this room. This room I will die in. And never again see that woman who laughed in the study group. Who kissed me on the beach. Who took my hand and walked with me into the rest of our lives.
2: Okay, here we go. This, uh. This won't feel good.
1: I killed the Thistle Man. I can survive you.
2: Keisha, I promise you can't. It's okay. Come here. No. No! start to die. One sec. Finishing up here.
0: wrong I'm sorry I'm will you come with me If you are listening to this show and thinking, man, I wish I could make something like Alice Isn't Dead, but I don't know where to start, I have some great news. Start with this is my brand new podcast that I'm making with my Welcome to Night vale co-creator Jeffrey Craner. that is designed for writers and artists like you. Each episode, we discuss an artistic topic, everything from something straightforward like dialogue to something as general as how to go from your big idea to the basic practical execution of that idea. And then we give our listeners two assignments, something to consume and something to create. We believe that the best way to start writing is to start writing. Not sure where to begin? Start with this. Find it today in your favorite podcast app or at startwiththispodcast.com. And now, our last knock knock joke. Knock knock. Who's there? It's been so long. I know. I never thought I'd. I know. I never thought I'd see you again. I know. I'm so... I know. Can I come in? Haven't you noticed yet? There never was any door at all. This has been a
1: production of Nightvale Presents. Find out more about us and our shows at nightvalepresents.com.
0: I'm Joseph Fink, and I'd like to introduce you to I Only Listen to the Mountain Goats, a podcast about the shifting line between artist and fan.
2: When I was a child, reading the authors that I loved and listening to the music that I loved, the thing I got from that is that feeling of of being understood somehow, and that weird connection where it's not the person, it's not the stranger, it's the thing they've made that opens this space for self-reflection.
0: I Only Listen to the Mountain Goats. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts.